0: You are listening to Grit and Grace, where I'm sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you and bringing stories to you of the most amazing women that are crushing it in business and in life. My name is Taverly, and I'm a social impact entrepreneur where I help businesses grow their community impact and their bottom line through their partnerships with nonprofit organizations. I'm also the founder of Taverly's Tribe, a brand new group of female experts that from all different fields are helping women grow to their highest level of potential. Join us on this journey by downloading the Himalaya app, which is free, and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all of the new shows that are coming out. Welcome to my show. Today's episode is brought to you by the Women's Catalyst Network, a leadership development program specifically for women to hone skills and advance in their careers. If you struggle to handle difficult situations and people while maintaining healthy relationships and productivity, then this is the place for you. Program alumni share that their experience gave them a heightened awareness of themselves and those that they work with, and their decreased stress levels. They are more engaged and don't shy away from difficult conversations. The facilitator, Julie Holonga, who has been a guest on this podcast, has a passion for helping women succeed in their careers on their terms. The Women's Catalyst Network meets once a month from April to December in Denver. Go to Women's Catalyst Network.com. That's Women's Catalyst Network.com to find out all the information. Thank you for tuning in with us again today. We recognize that what's happening globally right now is very significant in our world, both in a lot of our businesses and in all, I mean, all of our personal lives have been impacted in one way, shape, or form with what's happening with this pandemic. And so I'm changing my show a little bit in the sense that I'm going to be bringing you some of the most incredible women that have knowledge and gifts and tools to share with you to manage the time right now, to manage the fear, to let the things that we are experiencing be real, honor them, and flow through them so we can continue to survive. Because here's a couple of things that I know that I can share with you is that we are okay, you know, our, our, our mama earth our planet we are we are okay I am okay you are okay we are experiencing something that we haven't experienced before and I Completely honor and respect those of you that are afraid and feel this immense sense of the unknown, because the truth is is we don't know we don't know what this is going to do we don 't know what's going to happen, but we do know that there are some topics that we can address here on this amazing platform that we have to help you handle what it is you're feeling, and today's topic is going to be it's going to be really important for you to like really sink into. So my recommendation to you is to come to this with an open heart and let your body receive the information that we're giving you. I know it's coming through your ears because this is audio only. So let your body like open your ears to go from wherever this is coming from, whatever speaker or, or earphone, and let it sink into your heart because we're going to be talking about death today. And this is a... This is a time where I truly believe a big part of the reason why so many of us are feeling this fear, it's not just over toilet paper, it's not just over food, it is facing our own mortality and the mortality of the people that we love and our community. And I have the most amazing woman with me today who is, she has... 27 years in automotive, and she is the advertising and marketing strategist for the John Elway Dealer Group, which if you've listened to my show, you know that I work with the John Elway Dealer Group, and they're amazing. All the people there are amazing. And we created this friendship and have been able to connect on so many different levels, not just in the work we do and the tactical work that we do corporately, but also as women who bring healing to the world, and I knew the moment that I met her that my life was gonna shift in a way that it hadn't already. And she's the first woman that I met that I knew was connected to the other world, to the world where once our human form leaves, and that energetic form of what 's left behind that can be felt and and worked with by certain people um, and i won 't i 'll let her use the label she wants to use, but I knew that she had the ability to work with people that had passed on and the energies that they left behind and so Of course, you know that I was then like, "Whoa, this is my people <laughs> um, and i'm i 'm just truly honored that she 's here to not only share her story because she's a widow, and she has you know, She has found life forward after losing someone that you know was the love of her life. And she also works with other people to help them navigate the process of death. And I have so much to tell you about that, but I, I, I want her to get into it so I, I can stop talking and, and pass you to her. But I also want to tell you that she has been a life coach since 2017. So I see this this path with her, and, and her name is Debbie Waynes. So
1: Debbie, say hello now. <laughs> hello, and thank you so much. I'm so honored with your introduction. Oh, and
0: I, I just wanted to keep talking, and, and I really know that this connection you and I have is so much more than just our human connection here at this time, space, and reality, because I know that we have... Our spirits have been connected before or will be again, but our connection is big. And I am just so grateful for you in my life. So thank you, thank you, thank
1: you. Oh, I feel the same exact way. I knew you walked into the dealership before I saw your face. So I believe that we do have that connection. I love it when
0: you tell that story because I felt that way too. And it's so funny because I can remember exactly what you were wearing. And I remember thinking to myself, because the thing is, is that we were having like an official meeting. And the in the official, I mean, I'm trying to like concentrate on work. Like we're having a, like a corporate meeting. We're having a meeting. And meanwhile, all I could do is I, I wanted to like gaze at you. That's the only way I know how to describe it. And I do that a lot now. Sometimes I just look at you and I think, oh my goodness, my life has been better since you came into it. And I know that you are so open to the gifts that you have um, as a death worker, which is what it is, what you do, um, which has many different meanings and ways. And we'll talk about that today. Um, But I didn't know the depth in which your connection to who like the
1: underworld was, um,
0: and now and now I know, and now all of you listening are going to get to know too, <laughs> which is wonderful. So I'm I'm thankful. Thank you for being here, Debbie.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So I was thinking that the best way for us to start this, because this conversation can feel heavy, and I want people to. I want people to do what I mentioned, which is to open their ears. And so in order for us to step into this discussion of the loss that you had, losing your, your husband to cancer, before we, and I'm prefacing that a little, before we get into that story, I want to do a very quick breathing, like centering, um, exercise so we are all in a place to be able to open our hearts to receive what's coming in because i know that you're going to be sharing information that is going to be really critical for people to sink in so here's what i'd like everybody to do if you're not driving i'd like you to close your eyes put both feet on the floor and straighten your spine and if you are driving try to do those things but with your eyes open We're going to do three deep breaths in our nose and out our mouth. And on this last breath, I want you to make a noise like a sigh. Bring your vocal cords into it. Ah. And now I would just like to take a moment to honor all of our ancestors that have spent so much time with Debbie, this beautiful soul already, and will continue to spend time with her because she has become that channel for people who have passed And I just want to honor the fact that ancestors are here not only because of the land that we live on, we are all on land that was once occupied by other people, that we are on a space and time on this earth, that we are not the original owners or renters. And you know what? We don't own this land. This land is a part of all of us. We are a part of the land. And we all come from somewhere. We have roots and bloodlines. And I just want to deeply call in and honor everyone that has walked with me in my path to get me here and with Debbie and her path to get her here. And for those that have convened together to bring this message to you, I just want to take one more deep breath in to breathe in all that energy. (sighs) Ah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Debbie, thank you. Well, my
1: grandma's here, my grandmother's here. Yeah, yeah. So I want to start by talking about Roy. If I cry, I'm not going to apologize. No. Because I allow that feeling to come.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know that we just, two weeks ago was the anniversary of your husband's passing. Yeah, March 1st. March 1st.
1: And so how did you and Roy meet? Uh, We met at a nightclub. Um, He was a bouncer and I was a regular. Mm. And I met him when I was 18. Mm. And he was bigger than life even back then. And he was the main bouncer at a bar called Mardi Gras in Denver, which was a big three two bar. Which What's three two? Oh, that's those the lower lower alcohol content.
0: So, for those of you millennials that are listening, they probably don't even know what that is.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. But it was it was a big deal. And you know, I wanted a serious boyfriend, and he was the head bouncer at a nightclub. He didn't want that. So, but he was honest, and he he gave me the ability to make that choice. So we, after a time frame, went our separate ways. I got married. He had a beautiful daughter. And the first night that I went out, after I separated from my now ex-husband, I ran into Roy. Of course you did. So you were newly single. Yes. (laughs) Newly single,
0: and there was Roy. Yes. Just
1: waiting. It was like he was waiting in the wings. Well, the funny story was he was working at a nightclub that was kind of goth. So dark clothes, dark lips. I walked in in a white rayon outfit. (laughs) We were not planning on going there, but I I literally walked in in a white rayon outfit. You were like glowing. You like walked in the door like, like heaven sent, like la la la. Uh, yes, here I, am. here I am. And he, at our, when we finally did get married, he used that story and he said that I was his angel that Aww. walked through the door and I was definitely dressed appropriately. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, so then you were married how long? Uh, almost 12 years, together 15. And he had a heart condition before we got married. And He had a full life expectancy with that, but he did have a defibrillator, and he took a lot of medications to control that because he was a big man. He was a bodybuilder. He was a large man, and he took a lot of beta blockers and things like that to make sure his heart stayed in rhythm. Mm. And fast forward, he started not feeling well. Well, he'd go to the doctor, and they would basically say that these were all side effects from his medication. So he was basically misdiagnosed because the side effects of his medication were also the symptoms of his cancer. So when was that, that he started seeing the doctor? Um, it was, let's see, he passed in 13. So probably late two thousand. 11. Okay. Um because he was diagnosed in January of 2012 and he was sick for almost a or took chemotherapy but had such a wonderful radiant attitude about the whole thing. He was going to beat it. He he knew he was going to beat it. So and he had a great attitude and spirit and he was the guy that made everybody else comfortable with his illness. So did that make it harder when the end was close? No, he ended up coming to reality uh, in November, right before Thanksgiving of 2012, and I think the one thing that he it, because i've I've had I've had a clairvoyant that channeled him for me, and the one thing he regretted was not telling the girls, our three daughters, earlier. I tried to really push him to tell them that we needed to be honest with them. And he felt like when he finally told them, that would mean he gave up. That would defeat. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where I lost my mom when I was 18, and they were always completely honest with us. We knew what her chances were. She had, um, she had surgery that was experimental, and they were always very upfront, uh, my, meaning my parents. They were always very upfront with my sister and I. And I felt like we had the ability to process it more. Unfortunately, I, Roy really just didn't want to do that. And I felt that I needed to respect my husband's wishes. It was his life. And I needed to respect that. So we didn't tell the girls until they already knew. They knew. And finally he he did tell them, so and I know that he um, wanted to
0: spend his final moments at home with you, correct yeah.
1: yeah yes, i um I transitioned him to the next life, just him and I. he died in my arms
0: mm-hmm. that's beautiful.
1: It was a very beautiful moment, brings tears to my eyes because I feel that. Being a death doula, which I was a death worker for quite a long time. That's the word I used. And um, someone from your tribe came up with death Mm -hmm. doula. And it's such a more compassionate, caring term that's accepted. Either way, I am very comfortable in working with people that are transitioning. I'm very comfortable with death. It is the only thing, the ultimate, that we will experience in this life. Shoot, we don't even have to pay taxes. We all should. <laughs> yeah. But it is the one thing in this world that we can't avoid. It's inevitable. All of us will pass away. All of us will transition to whatever you believe in. Do you remember what I said to you the
0: first time we went out for, I think we were going to a sporting event in Denver, and you asked you invited me to come, which I was very excited because I'm like, oh, here's our first like, girls' date outside of work.
1: Yes. And do you remember what I said to you? I remember you telling me that I, you had never met a woman that had as many women behind her. Right. I do remember that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I
0: I felt this
1: strong
0: like lineage that you maintain of female ancestors that are behind you, and and that's what I originally thought. But I actually don't. I don't. I don't know that I would now say that they're ancestors. These are just spirits that have passed on have connected to you because they know that you can feel them. And I also think that you um, being connected to someone who is no longer here. And, and listen, those of you that are listening, you know, be, be skeptical all you want. I mean, I, I actually tell people em, embrace what feels right to you and leave the rest. If it doesn't, if it doesn't sit with you, that's okay. There's no, there's absolutely no judgment on you, what your belief is or how you practice or honor the dead. But I, I do believe in your case that you have you have this large I just call them a posse. It's like Debbie has her own posse of, of women. <laughs> but part of that is also just to be there to help you navigate the situations that are going to come up where you're going to be able to transition with others. And that is such a gift. Like that's the one thing I knew is that that was that's something super special. Not a lot of people have that gift.
1: And I do, I do embrace it as a gift. I think I've actually held space for people that could not be in the room when their loved one was transitioning. And I held space for them. And I made sure that that person was loved and knew that they were loved and that somebody was there with them to embrace that and to make sure that, that they knew that they weren't alone. That's so beautiful. Yeah,
0: I was with my grandmother when she passed. It's I have experienced somebody dying in front of me several times, and um, it's not easy actually to watch somebody leave their human skin. I want to call it the puppet, you know, the human puppet we are. Yeah. But it is easy when you recognize and you realize that the spirit that is within that human body is still there because it goes and finding peace in that is very difficult for so many people. And so, I mean, and that's why this is pertinent for us to have this conversation now, although I will say, you know, say to those of you that are listening, Debbie and I planned to record this well before our entire world was shutting down because of this pandemic. And I want to recognize that I started the show the way that I did because having this conversation about death at a time where it is in front of us in ways that it hasn't been before is even more important than it could have possibly been. So the timing is absolutely perfect that you're here because you live in a world I live in a world where we know we are born to die. And I'm going to have a little rant for a minute here. So I'll all y'all just need to like remember we opened up our ears so you can let this sink into your heart is that we are born to die. This is the fact. This is the truth. we cannot we cannot think we cannot think of it in any other way. But the fact of the matter is people do not wake up every day and think about that because we would live entirely different if we did. And I'm not going to go into my story today, but you know, debbie, that i I went to the edge of possibly not surviving anymore. And I did, and I'm grateful that I'm still here. But at that time, if that would have been the end, I was okay with that being the end. And you know why? Because I do live like that. I do live like that. You live like that. We have this chartered course where we wake up in the day and we realize, huh, huh, we don't know what tomorrow can bring. How do we make today so freaking amazing that it doesn't matter if tomorrow was the ending day? And so the red done. I feel better now.
1: I also think that when you live your life this way, the things that are important are there, and you're able to let go of the things that are trivial. And so many people hold on to so many trivial things. It doesn't matter if the guy cut you off in traffic. Who knows why he cut you off in traffic? You just have to let that go. You can't let that ruin your morning or because traffic's bad. You can't you can't let that ruin your morning. You have to refocus and say, well, that stunk that you know he almost caused three accidents, but I'm here. I'm still on my way to work. I'm going to have a good day because I'm going to choose to have a good day. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to go after my goals because I choose to do that. It's a choice. So let's talk about Let's talk about you getting to that place Hmm.
0: because, um, I know, and you know that for any evolved or awakened women to be where we are, it means we go through some stuff like to get to the place where you can keep that outlook. It means you have navigated dark, dark waters and Roy is only one of those for you, um, And let's talk about that. Let's let's think it let's let's walk our audience through how did you get through from the moment that he was diagnosed until you started to see the light again.
1: Yes. So when he was diagnosed, we were Papa Roy and Mama. He always called me Mama. So most of his his boys is what he called them, always called me mama. And we had this big extended family. He worked in nightclubs and we, we just had this huge family and they really looked to us to kind of run this family. And so when he got sick, it was very easy to stay focused on. Um, obviously we had three teenage daughters at the time too. So it was easy to stay focused on making sure his journey went as smoothly as possible and to also be a good role model for people to have hope. So, when his end days came him and i talked a lot about what he wanted and i think that this comes from the fact that i was comfortable my my dad was such a great role model for what a spouse was supposed to be as he cared for my mother mm. and they talked about her funeral and they planned her funeral it was it was down, it was planned down to the music and so when when Roy's time and he finally accepted that that it was going to happen, we had long conversations about what he wanted. He told me that he wanted me to remarry. He told me that I needed to take care of this family. So... He gave me this job to do after he passed away, and he he literally even told me which one of his boys I could date if I wanted to after he passed. Really, that's pretty
0: ballsy. Yes, because he <laughs> said
1: he only surrounded himself with the best. So why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't he want me to be with one of them? Now that never happened, but mm-hmm. so far, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, you never know. You never know. Yes. So I had this job to do. So when Roy passed, um. I, I knew that I had a role that I had to show people that it was okay to mourn him, but at the same time continue on. I actually spoke at his service, so I completely understand a side of Kobe's wife, Vanessa, I believe her name is. I, I understand what it took for her to get up in front of that crowd and and honor her husband. I did that. And and it was it was an honor to do that. I I got to say what I wanted to say and allow that to be heard in a public place. And it, it brought me a lot of peace, but it wasn't easy. And then, then we fast forward and, you know, everybody takes care of the widow for a period of time. It, they, every, everybody comes and checks on you. They bring you food. They, they do all of these things. And then their life continues mm. as it should. Mm. And about, Eight to nine months after Roy passed, I realized I was drinking too much. I was gambling, not to an extent where it cost me my livelihood or anything like that, but I shouldn't have been doing this. I shouldn't have been in the places I was in. I was hanging out with people that weren't going to take me to the next level. They were they were people that just were living life, just not going after goals, no ambition. Without intention. Is yeah, what I without like intention. Saying, right? Yeah, thank you. And uh, I'm just going to be honest. One night I was out drinking, and the next morning I woke up with a gentleman in my bed that I would never have had ha- have had there if I was thinking clearly. And that was the breaking point. That was the what the f am I doing? I, I'm not. This isn't okay. This isn't what Roy wanted for me. This isn't what I want for me. This isn't who I am. What am I doing? And like most people that are in that kind of negative state, I go to get on Facebook and post something to where somebody will feel sorry for me. And instead, I saw my sister's gratitude post. She'd been posting her three things she was grateful for for years. That day, I was like, why am I not doing that? I have so many things to be grateful for why am i why am I over here living this non intention life when I have so many things I want to accomplish and so many things I want to do and so much I have to share with this world and that day, I started my gratitude journey and I've never looked back mm, I'm just sinking into that for a moment
0: because what you just shared is like literally
1: a full transformational journey. Yeah, it was. It I yeah, I I feel like I had this incredible partner, right? And I had this joyous life that went dark, but I feel like I had been trained for that darkness by watching all of this happen with my mom. The same thing happened with my mom over a 2-year process. My dad gave us a great role model of he, he taught me what I was supposed to do, right? And so now I go through this process. And my dad also taught me that after my mo- mom passed away, he, he turned to alcohol. And fortunately, he found my stepmom, who was an amazing woman and took great care of him and got him out of that cycle. I had to do that on my own. Well, you found you. Yeah, I found me through that. And I've never looked back. It's Mm -hmm. it's time to. I have so many things that I can help people with, and that's when I started down my life coaching journey. And I did a bunch of grief work with Namaste and Denver Hospice, which I highly recommend for any widow or widower or somebody that's feeling grief. Get help. We're going to take a short break to hear more about the Women's Catalyst Network, a leadership
0: development program for women who are leading projects and people, yet feel like they are lacking the skills to do so effectively. If you struggle to handle difficult situations and people while maintaining healthy relationships and productivity, then this is the place for you. This small group coaching will put you in the room, not only with an experienced coach and female leaders, but also peers from diverse industries and levels of experience, all who are going through similar situations and can share in their experience and offer perspectives and insights. The Women's Catalyst Network will support you with a safe, high-level executive coaching during the once-a-month events in Denver from April to December. And listen, friends, the facilitator, Julie Holonga, is the real deal. I've worked with her, I've had her on this show, and I have seen firsthand the profound impact she has on a woman's confidence and knowledge on how to succeed. This is an opportunity to dive into the knowledge that you need to grow. You will walk away with so many tools for advancement. Check it out now as the cohort begins on April 16th. Go to womanscatalystnetwork.com. Now back to our show. It's so important to have help. It reminds me of, you know, my, I think, you know, the story that my sister's husband passed away um, within nine months of diagnosis a few years ago from brain cancer. And it was by far the most difficult thing until that time that my family had ever gone through. And one thing that I know I focused on was allowing my sister to grieve in whatever way that called to her. You know, there's a lot of people that tell you, "Oh, well, you should do this or you need to do this." Or the day that the coolers of food stop coming because he's gone and the funeral's now passed, that that was going to be a whole new level of grief for her. And it's very lonely. It's very lonely and I knew that she needed to grieve in whatever way felt right to her. And I was probably the only person in our family that said, never said you should do this, this, or this. I never said that. I said, you do it whatever the way works for you. Like if that means going and walking out on the track at 10 o'clock at night, you do that. If that means staying in bed all day tomorrow, you know what, you do that. And I also know that a lot of people like
1: my sister don't stop doing that. That is the, that's the key is to allow yourself to feel the pain, feel the loneliness, feel the regret, feel the, feel the pain, but don't let yourself stay there. Let yourself feel it. Let yourself take it in. Let yourself embrace it, and then move forward. And that's what coaching has taught me, is that it's okay to have a bad day. It's not okay to have a bad life. Right.
0: And I like to think of what you've just described as moving through it. Because, listen, I don't know when you guys are you know, listening to the show, um, but this is March of 2020. And so there are a lot of us that are going to lose people in this year, in the year 2020, and not just from the pandemic, but from the flu, from cancer, from heart attack, from stroke, from all the different things illnesses that we face as humans. People are going to lose people this year. And we need to understand, we need to understand that this is the reality of what's going to happen. And moving through the fear of that means you can enjoy the time that you have because With, you don't want to lean one way or the other, right? We can't ignore that we are here to die. This is our life's journey. This, we are here to live a certain period of time and then we're going to be gone. And everything dies, not just humans, everything. Right. right. It's a cycle. And, moving through it, like that feeling of actually transforming through it. I like to I'm making emotion. I know that you guys can't see me, but Debbie can see me, but it's like the, it's like water. It's like calling in the element of water, being able to flow with the water, right? Because you have to go with what you feel at that moment, but it doesn't mean that you have to live in that every day.
1: Like those wounds can heal. Correct. I you know, I look back and I lost my grandmother a few years ago and this was after Roy had transitioned. And she was a hundred years old and she had seen a lot of pain and she didn't understand why she was still there. And I looked what, what do you mean? Because Rory had
0: passed or other people had passed. She'd seen She a lot of death. she'd
1: seen so much pain. She'd she'd she lost friends. She lost two children. My her her oldest son was sick. She had seen so much pain and she just didn't understand why God had left her there to not be able to be functioning. She was pretty much bedridden, and she didn't understand why she was there. And I think that sometimes we need to remember that when people are going down this journey, it's not about us. It's about them, and we need to support them through this journey. And I would tell my grandma that she hadn't taught me everything yet that she was still there because she needed to teach somebody something. And what I learned from her in her end days was not to have regrets, Mm -hmm. to say the things that you want to say, to give the things to the people that you want to have them, to close your eyes at night and be at peace and Granny did a lot of that as she was in her, her end times. And I, I have conversations with my daughters on a regular basis and with my sister. I've told my girls, when, when I transition, whatever you want, take. But if you don't want it? Don't keep it. I carried my mom's sewing machine. She was a seamstress. Mm -hmm. I carried her sewing machine with me from house to house to house. And by the time I finally got rid of it, it was in the garage and had mouse poop on it. Mm -hmm. Like, how did that, how did that... Honor her. Honor my, yeah. my mom. Right. It didn't work. And I could have given that sewing machine to somebody that would have used it at the time that it was working. Mm-hmm. That would have been honoring my mom. Right? So I've had these difficult conversations with my girls that are, don't keep what you don't want. There's two things that I'd li- love for you to have, but if you really don't want them, that's okay too. That's okay too. Yeah. Don't carry on because yeah. then you're sitting there looking at something saying, "Well, that's mom's." Great. What do I do with it? Or you, and then or you, you feel guilt. guilt. Yeah. yeah. yeah and guilt. and I don't yeah. want that.
0: So now that you have brought more of this into your life and I'm pivoting just a little bit here because I know that what you do in your life coaching work is a direct result of everything that you've learned. And, and you are also moving into the realm of working with more people that have either just lost somebody or about to lose somebody. And I want to talk about that. Like, what, How did you first get into a place where you thought, huh, their reaction to death could be better. I could help
1: them. Or how, how was that? Because I feel like that's probably what happened, but I could be wrong. I, truthfully, it was Roy's passing. Mm. that I was so I was so comfortable with that that it actually I received a really strange response from people when I told them that I felt that that was an honor. And so as I continued to tell my story, well then I had a friend that was losing her father and she just couldn't be in the room. And I'm like She's telling me, and she's like, Debbie, I'm just not like you. I'm just not like you. Well, I don't think anybody should be like anybody. They need to be themselves. And I said, you know what? I would be honored if you tell me what you want your father to know, and I will hold that space. I will be there for you. I will whisper in his ear. I will be there and let him know that, that he's loved. And so I, it, that happened a couple of years after Roy passed after I went into my dark place and pulled myself back out. But it started with Roy and how comfortable I was with being there with him and how people reacted to that. Mm -hmm. I could never do that. I could never do that. And I'm like, how could you not? So I just know that it's a gift that I have that allows people to talk openly and honestly about death I'm okay with talking about that, and I can encourage people to bring that out and have those hard conversations and then again if you're whether you can't be there or you need me to be there with you, I'm comfortable with that too.
0: I think that's part of the gift though is recognizing that you are comfortable in that place, and just because somebody else is not doesn't mean that's wrong
1: no not at all or
0: or that they're doing it in a Incorrect way, but that you have you have the ability to embrace and embody the the people on their behalf mm-hmm. um, because I think that intuitively it's different for everybody what how they handle somebody transitioning it's different and if you're if you're fortunate to be a part of somebody transitioning. Um, I think that's a good fortune because I, I like to say that that's a peaceful way to go. Not everybody goes that way, and not everybody's going to go in 2020 that way. That is for sure because if people die of an illness that is contagious, you cannot be with them when they die. And so I, I think that that is part of the gift for you is to be able to hold that space and say, I am comfortable in this place, even if you aren't, and I can do it with you or
1: for you without judgment. No judgment. Yeah. No judgment. Because I realize what a difficult time that is. My um, stepmom could not be with my dad when he passed. And while he he did, I, can't, I don't even remember what exactly he passed from, but he had a pacemaker. And he would take what my sister and I thought was his last breath and then be like convulse oh, yes. up and take a really deep like, like lift his whole chest off the bed type movement. And here we thought he was, he had passed. It was like 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden he's taking this, what looked painful breath. And then he would kind of just start breathing again. And then he'd flatline and then he'd start again. And, And I'm really, really thankful that she didn't see that. And she was able to walk out, we prayed over him. She, she told him what she needed to, and then she was able to go at peace because that's what worked for her. Mm-hmm. And my sister and I, and Roy was in the, in the corner, actually. He was still alive when my dad passed. And it was Roy and my sister and I, and, and we were there, and, and we gave him permission to go. And the nurse had to tell us because we were like, why is he holding on like this? And she's like, sometimes you just need to give permission. You just need to you need to let them know, let their spirit know that you're gonna be okay. And um that's what we did. And when we did that, he found peace. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Oh.
0: It's such a beautiful thing. I, I, I could just feel that from yeah. you, right? This is yeah. This is part of your calling, right? This is part of your mission in this in this time. This is what you signed on for. Mm-hmm. And although you are like a marketing guru, <laughs> expert in the work that you do, I also feel like this is this is what's going to light up the second half of your life. Mm-hmm. And, and and the reason why I wanted to talk about how you got here is because I know a big part of the reason why you do this work is because you loved so great and you lost, um, but you didn't lose.
1: You gained. You just gained more knowledge. I'm going to try to say this without just busting into tears, but it was Roy's transition that set off the fire of the second half of my life. Mm. And I know that that had to happen for for me to give my gift to this world.
0: Thank you, Roy. Thank you for sharing that with Debbie. Thank you.
1: We should have got a box of tissue. I just thought
0: about that. (laughs) It's a good thing we have clothes on now that we realize clothes can be used for a multitude of things. Yes. Um, And thank you for sharing, Debbie. Thank you. I honor honor your transparency and your process so much, and I love your tears, and I love all the parts (laughs) of you. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. For knowing the time that we're facing right now and the amount of change that is going to happen to people's lives which is not just about the illness it's not it's not just about that it's about the the death of the economy as we know it is changing the death of infrastructure and in the way that it's set up in corporations is going to forever be changed because what's going to happen when the entire world can work remotely the majority of the world cuz not everybody can but the majority of the world can move things to digital masses The world is like the way that we knew life is dying, and so that means something new is starting. And I want to ask you for comments to listeners on how to prepare for for not just death of potentially your loved ones, but for
1: the way of life that you may have known it. I think it's just having open dialogue, and to know that that conversation is not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult and it's going to be emotional, but it has to happen. We have to talk. It, again, we've, we've said the only thing that is guaranteed on this planet is that we're going to transition. We're going to leave. We're going to die. And if we don't talk about that in an open forum with compassion and love... Mm-hmm. That's where all of this fear comes into play. So many people are feared for, fearful for their own mortality, and they're just not prepared. They haven't had those hard conversations.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that opening their, heart, you know, our hearts to the conversation and to love. I mean, I recognize this week that it has been a little while since I've talked to my children about what I would like them to do when I die. Um, most of my friends know what my wishes are because I talk about it a lot because I really love cake. So I think that I want my celebration of life to be all about cake, and I need to remind my children of that because they're the ones that are actually making the decision, but they are the ones that are not going to remember the conversations as much. And So if you don't have your wishes
1: written down, sit down and talk to the people that you love. Um, I and also- we're talking different than a will. Different than a will. It's yeah, different yeah, than a will. Yeah, right, this this right. isn't the same conversation as a will. This right. is, what do you want? What Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? Do you want to have a celebration of life? Do you want to have a church service? Do you want your ashes spread somewhere? Do you not care? Do you want to have a big party? What What do you want to have? And, and do you want your life extended if that something is to say, happen? Right. I think that that's an important conversation to have, and you and I
0: talked about that a little bit before we started to record, which is that I think that the time has come where we have worked so hard to extend life for people as they age that we have not recognized that the life that we are typically extending due to age, not illness is not necessarily a good quality of life. And extending life doesn't mean you get more teenage years. You don't get more in your 40s. You don't get more in your 50s. You get them in your 70s, in your 80s, in your 90s. And I think that having that conversation, and I, I think things will change, especially now, but we right now we don't have the ability to say, listen, when I'm 80 and I have dementia, I want to choose to go on my terms we don't necessarily have that ability as clearly as we think we should right now, but I think it's worth having the conversation with your family and your children on how you want to go. What does your What do you want your passing to look like if you have the choice? What can it What can it be for you? What would make you the most peaceful? And that is a part of the conversation that I think matters right now, today, everybody. And it is
1: grounding. It's okay to do it in a way that's grounding and not morbid. I it's, agree. It's loving. It. It. And. and I feel that having those conversations, both of us are single moms, mm-hmm. having those conversations with our children is a gift mm-hmm. to them. It's a hard discussion, but when you're when you when you transition and you pass, you don't want your kids to be going, I don't know, what would mom want?' I don't know what to do. And then they fight or whatever. If you can give them a clear direction today so that there's no question and even write it down, they it's it's peaceful for them. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have the struggle of, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Because you, you've already told them. Yeah, you're giving them a map to make it easy so they can just focus on
0: grieving because that is a process. And you want your family members to feel what they feel without the stress of what would you want because the truth is you're gone then even if your energetic spirit is still there your human experience is gone and from what i believe when we move out of this human experience we're in a different we're in a different plane we're in a different place and our concerns about how people mourn us matter less so let's go back to that so one of the things that you said was that in order to prepare and to take action now to Bring the conversation of your own mortality into your life and discuss your wishes. One of the things is to have an open communication, so
1: that's number one. What's number two? I hmm, that's a good question. I think sharing your what you want to have done. I mean, obviously, you start the conversation, but you also have to be able to receive that the person you're speaking with isn't comfortable right and you have to take your time you have to nurture that and you really have to be patient yeah and be graceful yeah be well, patient and
0: i think that understanding that um if you're the person that whose life could be coming to an end soon the people around you might freak out and so you know it's it's almost like you not only do you need to manage your emotions, but you're also managing other people's emotion and you brought that up about Rory because you said that that was one of the greatest gifts that he had was his ability to navigate that comfortably. Mm-hmm. I think that that is something to think about is know that the people that are going to live on after you will be impacted by how you handle the situation. That's number 1. And then number 2, I really want what I want number 3 to be. I'm giving you number 3 <laughs> is I want to talk about gratitude. Right? Because to me the best way to prepare for your own death which could be any time. Today, tomorrow, next year, we don't know. We don't know. And I go in this really weird voice when I say it because I want to laugh and say people we don't know. You don't know. Yeah. So why don't we instead think about it, process it, decide what would be most peaceful for us and then every day live with gratitude like you do.
1: And I that's again my journey launched forward from a bad time to one day gratitude just made sense to me and every you know i i bring this up because it's very relative in march of 2020 i've been telling people to be grateful for toilet paper for years that's so funny because i will say things in hard times the first step you should do is be grateful for something and you can be grateful for something as simple as toilet paper which You know, two years ago, that didn't mean quite the same thing as it does today, but you can be grateful for the candles or the herbs that were burning. You can be grateful for the Zoom call or the FaceTime that you had with your, with your, um, person that you can't be in connection with right then, that you can't be with presently. You can be, you can be grateful for plants you can be grateful for sunshine you can be grateful for the clouds you can be grateful for the for, for the Wi-Fi so that you can work from home you can be grateful for the food that your neighbor shared with you because you're unemployed right now and don't have a job I there's always 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 something you can be grateful for but you have to look
0: I'm over here like snapping my finger because I'm like yes 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 I was a proud of a our- Prayer circle yesterday, Debbie, and I have to tell you that there was so much along with what you just said that came up in this two hour meditation, channeling, sharing. That at the end, Sahara Rose came out and let us all through a dance. I'm talking 350 women. Okay, we're in this prayer circle. And one of the women came on and said, You know what? The truth is, like two months ago, I in meditation asked for more time with my family. And guess what? I've got it. Another person said, "I wanted to change this aspect of my business because I didn't love all this one-on-one work. I wanted to go digital." Guess what? Bam, here you go. Like there are so many different things that in times of chaos that we can take a breath and recognize that that is a major shift and be grateful for it even if we don't even if we don't know why right or even if, if, we don't even know if why. you don't like it even if you don't like it be grateful for the lesson i i for one know with 100% certainty that our earth is going to benefit from the lack of airplanes flying around it over the next couple of months i know that hurts our economy i know that hurts people's jobs i understand that and i honor it i feel it but i also know that our planet is going to welcome the lack of pollution for a little while It's going to breathe. It's going to breathe. And I mean, there's so much we could talk about the virus. We might need to do another show and just talk about the virus and the spiritual meanings behind what's happening and how the earth needs to breathe, right? Humans can't breathe, so the earth can breathe. And part of that is because we have not been taking care of her. And not that she needs a lot of taking care of because the earth can handle it, but I do think that there is so much happening right now that has been building for a long time. and. Yes, we are being forced to now do things because of the virus that we should have been doing for a long time on our own, and we did not. I agree.
1: Absolutely agree.
0: Right? Look what happens. Um, So I think that gratitude is just... I love your practice. And for those of you that don't know Debbie Wayne's and by the way, you can find her at Debbie coachingcom That's D E B B I E W A I N E S coaching.com. And I will put that in the link to that link in the show notes. And you can also find her on social media. Debbie Wayne's coaching or Debbie Wayne's, I'm sure she'll, if you're nice, she might like you and connect with you on social media. Because <laughs> yes, um, that's where my videos are. That's where videos social. are. And she does them, is it every day? Monday through Friday. I mean, it's beautiful to to pop in and listen. And I think that you will recognize that this this thought process behind gratitude goes hand in hand with waking up and understanding that every day is a gift and that knowing that our mortality, our death, the fact that we were born to only live a certain period of time is something you should think about and be okay with and be grateful with because the other option is to not have had the time. Like, I'm grateful for the time. Grateful every for the last time. minute of it. Right, right, every last minute. And, you know, in closing of this show, um, Debbie, I, I want to honor something about you and for those that are listening is that the hour that you've sat here and given to all of our listeners is time. Like you took time to to come here in the middle of the chaos that we are living and share your wisdom and your love with so many people. So the time that you have given here, I just want you to know I'm so grateful for that.
1: Thank you.
0: Because it's our greatest commodity right now. And so thank you. I receive that.
1: Oh, gosh, I love you. I love you I so love you much.
0: <laughs> You're so amazing. And for those of you that are listening... This is really just the tip of the iceberg with Debbie because we wanted to talk about her experience and we wanted this to be something that you could think about now with what we're facing. But there's so much more to Debbie that she does in her life coaching business and I highly recommend you checking her out. Um, If she has availability, she will bring you onto the roster. If not, I'm sure she has other
1: people that she can recommend that you can find. I do and we can Zoom. I have a coaching client in Utah right now. I love working with her. So
0: any parting words, Debbie? Debbie, the the widow, the marketing and advertising
1: strategist, the death doula, my friend, what do you got? <laughs> I just say that during this difficult time to breathe, to be patient, to love each other, and find gratitude in every day. Boom. Friends. Don't forget to visit the Women's
0: Catalyst Network to learn more about the amazing leadership development opportunity. And if you are outside of Denver, contact Julie Holonga to learn more about an upcoming virtual program later this year. Or if you want to work with Julie one-on-one for executive coaching, and she is amazing, feel free to contact her. You can find all the details at womanscatalystnetwork.com. We hope you enjoyed the show. Hi, my name is Les Conley. And as producer of this show, I enjoy listening right along with you. Don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow Grit and Grace so that we can keep you up to date on all the exciting shows coming your way. Please check the show notes for links to our guests and feel free to contact us for more information. Lee is a social impact entrepreneur and she can be found at taverly.com. That's T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E.com. We know your time is extremely valuable and we appreciate you spending it with us. Thank you.